You are about to enter the world of humble hauntings. But first, a message from our friends at Nothing Ever Happens in Canada. Most people think nothing ever happens in Canada, but we know this is simply not true. Do you like myths, legends, or learning about some of Canada's greatest moments in history? Then this is the podcast for you. Join me, Canadian Girl, every two weeks as we travel around Canada exploring haunted places, searching for lost gold mines, trying to solve some true crime, and we even stop to observe historical events and people every now and again. Come on over to the channel today and join the crew by hitting that subscribe button. You don't want to miss out on our next adventure. That's Nothing Ever Happens in Canada, available on most podcast platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, and more. And now... For today's story. I see you're awake. Remember, this place does have rules. You can't just go wandering off and, like I said, when you first got here, don't touch anything. Yes, that was the ocean, but it was also a siren's nest. I know you saw them. Or heard them, at least. A few more seconds and they would have dragged you to the bottom of the sea. It doesn't matter if you wanted to see the ocean, you- Wait. How did you know this was a door to an ocean world? <sighs> Never mind. Let's get back to the library. Here we are. Have a seat. Oh, thank you, Barnaby. He made tea. Well, of course cats can make tea. Don't be silly. Now, why were you so insistent on seeing the ocean? Did you have a dream about it? Not a dream. A memory then. Alright. What do you remember? You lived on a ship? A captain, perhaps? A fisherman? I see. 
You can't recall. Well, don't worry. I'm sure it'll come to you. Sit, sit. Barnaby makes the best tea. How about a little break before we get back to it, huh? I know when I need some cheering up, a good ghost story always does the trick. What do you say? Perfect. And I have just the thing, too. It might jog your memory a bit as well. Barnaby, where's that one book on ghost ships? Of course. Thank you, little cat. How could I forget? Let's see. Here we go. The Final Voyage. A History of Ghostly Vessels and Seafaring Specters. Oh yes, it's one of my favorites. Fascinating stuff. Settle in now. It's time for a ghost story. The sheer vastness of the ocean and the mysteries of its depths have inspired and haunted the minds of people throughout history. There are countless tales of mermaids and sirens leading sailors to their doom. Tales of giant sea monsters like the Kraken, waiting to drag anyone that crosses their path into the watery depths below. And ghostly ships that float across the open ocean. Their undead crew, following wherever the phantom winds may carry them. Oh yes, just like any other part of the earth, the oceans are a haunted place. Their ghosts can be found moving across the glistening surface of the waves or down to the darkness of the ocean floor where sunlight is but a dream. The voyage to the supernatural is never a far journey and ghostly tales are as plentiful as the life that thrives in the depths of the seemingly endless ocean. It was December of 1924, and the SS Watertown was sailing from New York City towards the Panama Canal. Two of the crew members on board, Michael Maheen and James Courtney, were tasked with cleaning the cargo tank of the oil tanker. When tragedy struck, an accident occurred involving the two men being overcome by toxic gas fumes, resulting in their deaths. They were discovered by the remaining crew members not long after, and as was customary for sailors of this time period, they were buried at sea. But if the crew of the SS Watertown thought this was the last time they'd see Michael and James, they were sorely mistaken. For days after their death, the crew members reported seeing the two men's ghostly faces in the water following the ship as it sailed to its destination. Now, it would have been easy to shrug the story off as just a sailor's tall tale or ghost story. It's certainly what the city's service company, the employers of the captain, assumed when they heard the news. Captain Keith Tracy reported this unusual phenomenon to them only days after the hauntings began. But instead of dismissing the claim right away, the company suggested they try to capture a photo of the ghostly faces. And the captain did. To this day, a quick search will bring you face to face with the haunting image that followed the SS Watertown so long ago now. It is a photograph of the ocean waves and two solemn faces looking back into the camera. 
As they followed the ship to finish the voyage, they did not get to see through in life. Faces that look to be made of the very waters that are now their final resting place. Sometimes what haunts us is not the ghosts we can see, the sudden, unexplainable chill in the otherwise warm room, or the movement of objects when no one is around. Sometimes, what haunts us most is simply the unknown. The answers we never get, and maybe never want to. Such was the case of the Uring Madan. The year was 1947, and two American ships had received a series of distress calls while passing through the Strait of Malacca, just off the coast of Malaysia. The caller identified themselves as a crew member of the Orang Madan. All officers, including the captain, are dead, lying in the chart room and bridge. Possibly whole crew dead, he said in the distress call. The two ships set off on a rescue mission in an attempt to rescue any survivors on board the ship but not before receiving a second distress call. The man said only two words over the radio before the call cut out. He simply said, I die. When rescuers arrived and boarded the Orang Madan, they were horror-struck at the scene before them. Indeed, the whole crew was found dead, but it was more than that. Everyone aboard the ship, including someone's pet dog, seemed to have died from fright. Their eyes were wide and their faces twisted with terror. And not only that, their bodies seemed to be contorted into defensive positions, arms flung out before them as if protecting themselves from some unseen enemy. But there was not a single mark on any of the bodies, and no visible sign of injury to make the rescuers believe they had been attacked. Unfortunately, no one would have time to investigate much further. A fire started in one of the engine rooms, forcing the rescuers to abandon the ship. They each made it safely back to their own ships and could only watch as the flames consumed the Orang Madan. It sank not long after, taking its dark happenings and the mystery of the crew's death with it into the ocean's abyss. It could be said that the ship, the Great Eastern, was the Titanic of its day. It was built in 1857 and was said to be six times larger than any ship ever built before, weighing a whopping 100,000 tons. As impressive as this might seem for the time, the ship's size and weight caused it trouble from the beginning. During its launch on January 30th, 1858, the ship was so heavy that it stopped dead, the sheer weight of it jamming the launch mechanism and preventing any further movement. This was eventually fixed, but due to the amount of money it took to get the ship afloat, it sat in the harbor for the better part of a year. It was then purchased by the Great Ship Company, which finished its construction, and it was finally able to set sail. But the Great Eastern would never be blessed with smooth sailing. In fact, some said the ship was cursed due to the tragedies that seemed to meet it at every turn. 
During its sea trial, it claimed the life of at least one man and severely burned several others when a giant ventilator exploded, covering the crew members with boiling water. Only one month later, Isambard Kingdom Brunel, the ship's builder, died of a stroke. Even though the Great Eastern was supposed to be the largest and most successful ship of its time, it never actually carried the amount of passengers it was built for. In fact, at its largest recorded number of passengers, the ship only carried 1,500 people, which sounds like an impressive amount, but this ship was six times bigger than any ship that had come before it. To the Great Eastern, 1,500 passengers was barely any. In 1862, when the 1,500-passenger voyage took place, the ship had been sailing over uncharted territory when the bottom of the ship tore open. Luckily, due to the double hull of the ship, the Great Eastern avoided sinking. What seemed to be the most unnerving about the ship itself, besides the fact that it seemed undoubtedly cursed, was the strange banging noise that seemed to come from far below the decks of the ship. And some sailors even claimed the banging could be heard over the storms they passed through. Many crew members were awoken in the middle of the night by the clear, insistent banging from below. While the Great Eastern was successful in helping lay a transatlantic cable in 1865, it costed the owners of the ship far more than it was worth. Once better ships were built for the task, the ship sat rusting away for over 12 years in a shipyard. Eventually, it was sold for scrap metal, but this is when something strange happened. The source of the ship's legendary banging was discovered at last, and the reason of the ship's curse finally became clear. As it was being stripped apart for its metal, a skeleton was found in the ship's second hull. The very same hull that saved it from sinking back in 1862. The skeleton belonged to none other than the master shipwright, who had mysteriously gone missing during the ship's initial construction. Though the exact cause of the death remains unknown, there is one thing we can be certain of. Even in death, the master shipwright was determined to be found his phantom banging, forever echoing throughout the ship until the day he could be freed and finally allowed to rest in peace. Hello, MJ McAdams here. Today's tales will continue after a brief message from our sponsors. So stick around. More haunts are waiting for you just around the corner. Not all stories of ghost ships are necessarily grim and ghastly. Such is the case of El Caleuche. It is said that every night, near the island of Chiloe, just off the coast of Chile, El Caleuche appears through the ethereal mist that rises from the ocean. What exactly El Caleuche is depends on who's telling her tale. Some say it is merely a ghost ship, a vessel that is home to those who died at sea. Now in the afterlife, they bask in her beautiful white sails, 
dance among the lights that surround her, and laugh amongst each other as if at a party. A party that lasts for eternity. Once she is spotted, however, the ship returns to the cover of the ocean's depths, navigating the darkness of the waters until it rises again the very next night. But some believe El Caleuche is no mere ghost ship, but a living entity, a consciousness who provides an afterlife for the sea's dead. There are said to be three chilota, or water spirits, that help gather the ocean's lost souls and bring them aboard El Caleuche. The first spirit is Sarina Chilota, who takes the appearance of the traditional mermaid, with long flowing hair as golden as her scales. Then there is her sister, Pincoya, who is just as beautiful as Serina, with the same long flowing hair, but instead of a tail, Pincoya rises from the ocean, appearing as a human woman. Lastly, is their brother, Picoy, who has the same golden hair, the face of an attractive man, and the body of a sea lion. Together, they lead the lost souls of the sea to the paradise that awaits them aboard El Caleuche. There seems to be two types of passengers aboard the ship. The welcomed dead who enjoy the ship's pleasures for all eternity, away from the cruel cold waters of the ocean. The dead are allowed to move freely about the ship and enjoy the company of other souls. It is said that they are even allowed to leave once a year to visit and help their families on land. But the second type of passenger reveals El Caleuche's more sinister side. The second way to become a passenger of the phantom ship is to be kidnapped or lured by El Caleuche. Something that was said to befall unlucky fishermen or sailors while out at sea. Once captured, they were forced into the roles of the ship's crew, doomed to serve El Caleuche's dead for all eternity and in doing so, becoming the dead themselves. If these poor souls saw or heard El Caleuche, but resisted the luring call of the ship, they would be turned into animals such as seals or sea lions until the end of their days. It seems that temporary visitors do come aboard the ship on occasion. According to local folklore, the Brujo Chilote, the equivalent to the male witch or warlock, enjoys the parties held upon the deck of El Caleuche, accessing the ship by summoning a water horse that gallops across the ocean's surface. Despite the fact that the Brujo Chilote are malevolent, they are still welcomed aboard and may come and go as they please. In some legends, it is said the ship is crewed by these warlocks, who would make magical pacts with local traders promising them prosperity beyond their wildest dreams in exchange for dark promises and deadly favors. It was because of this belief that rumors would fly all over Chiloe if someone suddenly and mysteriously became rich. People would whisper to one another on the street that this newly found wealth must come from a pact with a brujo upon El Caleuche.
Of all the tales of ghost ships in the world, none can deny that the tale of the Marie Celeste is one of the most famous, and after hearing its story, I'm certain you'll see why. It was December 3rd of 1872, and the ship aboard the De Gratia was sailing from New York to Gibraltar when they discovered the Marie Celeste floating close to 600 miles west of Portugal. The ship itself was undisturbed and in perfect condition. The 1,700 barrels of commercial alcohol aboard were untouched. The sails were set, and all the crew's belongings seemed to be on board. What was missing, however, was the entire crew. The captain of the ship, Benjamin S. Briggs, his wife, his daughter, and their crew of seven men were nowhere to be found. While some say the lifeboat was missing, other tales confirm it was still in place on the deck. The only things that were said to be missing were the sextant, the ship's chronometer, and the cargo documents. There was also no sign of any storm, struggle, or other disturbance that would explain the crew's absence. In fact, the last entry made in the captain's log on November 24th gave no indication of any trouble at all. If the crew had abandoned the ship after the 24th, that would have meant that the ship would have been drifting at sea for over a week. However, this would have been impossible according to De Gratia's crew. They said that someone, or even something, must have been running the ship days after the final log entry. Who or what was working the ship during those mysterious last days remains unknown. Not a soul, living or dead, was ever discovered on board and the fate of Marie Celeste's crew remains a mystery to this day. Some ships just have all the worst luck, and some stories are destined to circle back to where they started, for better or for worse. The Amazon was ready to set sail from Spencer Island, Nova Scotia, in 1861, but just two days after he boarded the ship, the captain suddenly and unexpectedly passed away. During its maiden voyage, the Amazon's luck went from bad to much, much worse. It began when the ship struck a fishing fence, which tore a large gash in its hull. The crew stopped to make the necessary repairs, but while doing so, a fire broke out on board of the ship. Soon after the repairs were finished, the Amazon crashed into another ship while crossing the Atlantic. To most, it seemed that this ship was doomed, and they were right. In 1867, just six years after its maiden voyage, the Amazon was wrecked just off the coast of Newfoundland. Its remaining parts were abandoned where they lay beneath the waves. It seemed that the Amazon had finally met its end. But its story does not end here. An American company found the wreckage, raised it from its watery grave, and restored it. After the ship was repaired and good as new, it was sent south to be sold. In 1872, it was purchased by a captain. A captain by the name of Benjamin S. Briggs, who renamed it the Mary Celeste. He would board the ship, along with his family and crew, and set sail to the Mediterranean, 
never to be seen again. The Amazon, now the Mary Celeste, would take its final voyage across the ocean's waves, fulfilling its destiny to become the most mysterious ghost ship of all time. Well, that was positively spine-tingling. But we really should get back to work now. I'm afraid I got a little carried away with the reading. Happens to the best of us. So, any more memories creep up on you? So you were a captain. Very impressive. But you were taken away. Taken away? By whom? Pirates? I see. Well, I'm sure it will come to you. One day at a time, right? Right. Now, let's get back to it. Your little friend will be back soon, I'm sure. Barnaby, how about another round of tea? for joining us today at Humble Hauntings. If you enjoyed today's tale, then feel free to leave a review and subscribe to our show. Don't forget to share with friends and family as well, because after all, when it comes to exploring the unknown, the more, the scarier. And remember, my spookables, home is where the haunt is.